Australian futsal community. Welcome to Futsal Australia podcast number 20. My name is Andrew Carno, social media is The Doctor. Today's podcast is on South Perth, Perth Women's Futsal Club experience at the NSGF Women's Futsal Championship 2022 in Thailand. And it's with a great pleasure that I introduce to you all three of our guests for this very special podcast number 20. We've done 20 podcasts already about futsal in Australia. Uh, Chris Collins, uh, Christian Collins, or Chris Collins, head coach of the team, George Leth Lethbridge, is that right, George? That's correct. <laughs> assistant, uh, assistant coach, Robert Boyd, team manager and club president of South Perth. Boys, thanks for accepting the invitation coming to the podcast. Thanks Thank for having us. Um, yeah, I want to, first of all, welcome you all to uh, come on the podcast and congratulations on taking Australian Women's Futsal Club to an official futsal tournament and managed to get a win and make us all very proud. The tournament was held from the 20th to the 26th of April in Pattaya, uh, in Chomburi, Thailand. Is that right? So I think, yeah, right. if I'm not mistaken, at the World Class Stadium Eastern National Sports Training Center. Uh, the tournament finished about a week ago. Are you guys all back home now? You guys recovered from the tournament? <laughs> we need a holiday from the tournament. <laughs> Good, <laughs> it was always amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was busy. It was busy. People don't realize how busy it is, do they? How busy, no. how busy do you get during these tournaments, Chris? Well, look, to give, you, to give you an example, we had George, Roberto, and myself. Thailand had 17 staff, am I correct, Rob? Or 14? Uh, uh, 14 staff 14. members. 14 staff members. So there's a, there's a huge body of work that we got through as a trio um, mm -hmm. that the other teams there had, you know, three four or five times as many staff to get through so yeah people people don't realize george and i <clears throat> are pulling you know 15 16 17 hour days reviewing footage roberto is running around trying to organize training sessions and make sure we've got all our lunches and everyone's got their kit yeah it's there's there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that um that people just don't realize happens. chris how many more people think you could have had it at least to cover the basics uh, look, it would have been nice to have had a physio. We were super lucky to have Gemma come across from Pro Futsal as a media person. That was mm -hmm. awesome to, to get her there documenting the trip. But yeah, certainly a physio, <clears throat> maybe a couple of a couple of video analysts would be nice so that they could just present clips to George and I to go through rather than us having to go through full games every night. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, take your pick. That's Whatever stuff. But at least a couple more people, right? Guys, all yeah. right, let, before we get into the tournament, let's uh, quickly, I want you guys to introduce yourself. So talk about each one of you guys, uh, starting with Rob. Rob, what's your involvement with Futsal in Australia and a bit of your history with that involvement? Uh, well, Futsal is pretty much my life. Um, I work for Pro Futsal as well full time. Um, I'm South Futsal Cup president and um, also coach the girls here in Perth. Um, yeah, so I, I breathe and live Futsal every day and obviously um we're trying to grow the sport all together and uh that's pretty much my mission in my life and, and my full-time job so <laughs> that's very much what i do yeah so up and pro futsal um there's a few people working full-time for futsal in australia you want you are one of them i'm very i'm very lucky um you know i'm very grateful of this because it's obviously um, um it's a great career uh, there's a, it's not an easy career you probably know better than me people think it's easy and we play futsal all day we don't play futsal at all <laughs> we just work very hard behind the scenes for everyone to play futsal and have the opportunities and pathways that we're trying to create 
Very good, very good. What about you, George? Um, I started when I was quite young. I was 10 years old. I'm a Gold Coast boy, so I started playing in the social leagues, which Andrew Parks facilitated, um, and I was playing football as well. And then when Bruno moved, Bruno Canavan moved to the Gold Coast and he started things with Galaxy and Gold Coast Force, I dropped football, started playing futsal full-time with him. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we went on we went on our little run, which we had. And during that time, I also, for the last four years, I was working with Super Futsal under Philippe Amarim and Sarah Amarim there. And then for the last year, I've been living in Sydney. Um, I'm now playing with Eastern Suburbs Sakawa and I'm set to coach the women's team later this year. That's very good, very good. What about you, Chris? Uh, similar story to George uh, in terms of started when I was about seven uh, for futsal here in Canberra. So that makes it 26 years I've been, been involved. <clears throat> started coaching at sort of 16, took my first team to nationals. Um, started boomerangs with another guy here in Canberra called Eddie in uh, – 2018, uh, sorry, when I was 18, so that makes it 2007. Um, mm -hmm. We've been playing in the New South Wales Premier League since 2009. Um, and yeah, look, I've coached various age groups from under-age through to senior men and women. Um, and I've always sort of tried to champion the women's game particularly. I think that they're pretty hard done by. Um, in terms of football in Australia, no national teams, no pathways um, for them to follow, so... So yeah, it's hard to it's hard to keep them engaged, but yeah, we try our best. Yeah, it's, the three of you guys are very passionate about the women's game. But remember, you specifically, Chris, uh, playing against Boomerangs back in 2012, 13, and you were already involved in the game. And it's good to see you involved. It's still involved. We had so many people in Australia that were involved and stopped, but you're still involved, and it's so good to see. Uh, guys, this announcement of having an Australian women's futsal club participate at the NSGF tournament caught us all by surprise. Did that catch you guys by surprise too? Um, yeah, I think uh, it was a good surprise though. I wouldn't say it's a bad surprise. Um, of course. It, yeah. it, it's one of those strains that come only once. You wait very long for it. And for me personally, uh, as, as club president, we needed to catch that train. We, we needed to, to do it. doesn't matter how short the notice was. And... I do believe for the time frame we had and and some roadblocks and we did a great job. That's so that's what I'm, and especially those those two guys under me, <laughs> they did a great job too. So um, the challenges were huge, but I think we got all together and we just made it. And I think the result was, you know, having the having games watched by 130,000 people were you know quite a quite a, quite a honor. You know, and I think the girls that are an awesome experience. For sure. You mentioned the, uh, the short notice and you mentioned the challenge. How did that come about, the, this opportunity to play in the tournament? So, we, we, first of all, the, 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 the biggest, one of the biggest challenges was to get a sanction from FA, uh, which, which I want to thank because obviously uh, they sign off on that. Um, um, and, um, and so we go all together. Um, obviously, we short notice. You know, um, we, need, we also need to find out players and, and, and start. It's not that you know you want to have like twenty girls available straight away. Uh, so we go all together, and um, guys are just from South Perth, some players from over east, um, um, George and Kristen, as well as coaches, and we decided to take this contingent to to Thailand, and I think uh, it worked quite well. You know, um, 
I think whoever, anyone who watched the game, you can see there's uh, national team material there too. You know, I think five or six girls are definitely what of a national team. Uh, hopefully this will move a bit of things forward. I, th I think it will. I think it's been very successful. We had very good um, feedback from everyone all around Australia, all around Asia as well, all around Europe. Uh, so I think um, we're on the, on the right path. You know, and uh, hopefully um, without for the federation, the federation probably will help us and start, you know, moving things for the girls, you know. For sure, for sure. Chris, uh, when Rob approached you to be the coach of the team, how much did you know about the tournament and how long did it take for you to say yes? Uh, so I've got a young, a young son, so that was a consideration. My wife just started a business, so that was a consideration. So there was a few things that we, we needed to talk about, but from the second that, that it became an opportunity. It was something that I wanted to do. It was more about mm -hmm. making it happen financially and logistically with all the other things that we had going on, but she's very supportive. So it was an easy decision in the end. Um, and one that happened within a few hours. <laughs> very good. Very good. George, you can answer this one for, uh, on behalf of all you guys, how much you guys know about this tournament and the other teams? Um, not not too much because the last footage of some of these teams were back in 2018 and before that 2015 so we were expecting much of the same if if not like some more improvements of these sides because their national leagues are starting to get stronger now they're starting to build and their knowledge base as well of the game so we're expecting thailand indonesia myanmar which was tough to get footage on um but especially thailand and indonesia we're expecting very difficult games Mm -hmm. But even Myanmar now they have a they have a national program for their main team, so they have a full time national coach there working yes. with their main team. Um, they were going to be there. tough as well. It was the same coach. Yeah, uh, same coach. So yeah, there you go. See, there was a assistant coach um, for the for the women helping the new coach, and the same was for Indonesia. That's that's a great thing. So the man's head coach was helping was assisting the women. Which tells you a lot. Um, yeah, how they are. And the I'm coach sure. from from Myanmar is a uh, Banlet, isn't he? Uh, something like that, Banlet. Yeah, the main coach. Uh, I didn't see him standing up, but now you're telling me that he was the assistant. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Going to that tournament, you guys didn't have much time to prepare for the tournament. Similar to what happened with the futsal rules. Uh, Chris, can you share with us what was the preparation like for the for this tournament specifically? Uh -huh. So George and I hadn't met really before. I knew of George from playing against Galaxy and Gold Coast and what have you, but in a coaching capacity, I'd never crossed paths with him. Um, so that was a new experience. So, I mean, the first thing that we did was we, all three of us had a chat, introduced introductions, all the rest, talked about what expectations we wanted to have of each other, what expectations we wanted to have of the team. And then George and I um, chatted uh, over the Easter weekend about how we wanted to function as a as a group, the two of us. Um, what roles did we think each of us should should have, and what was the best way that we could approach it as coaches to make sure the players got the most out of it? Um, <clears throat> so that's that's sort of where we started, and then um, it was a long nine-hour flight watching hours of footage on Thailand and Indonesia. <laughs> um, looking at uh, just uh, trying to analyze their their systems of play looking for for 
um, key set pieces and key players and stuff like that. And then obviously we we were straight into it when we got there. So we had two training sessions um, with not even with the entirety of the group. We had nine players for those first two training sessions. Five of the players took the court without having kicked the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a huge challenge. Um, and look, I'm really grateful to have had these two guys and Elle and Gemma and all the support that we had around us and for the girls for being so willing to um, to listen and to learn and to take on advice. Um, I have only ever coached four of them. So it was a... It was a pretty challenging, um, <clears throat> a pretty challenging thing for me to come into a new environment with unfamiliar players, unfamiliar coaching support. Like that, it was every everything was a challenge. Um, and look, it it worked really well. I think George and I, George and I worked really well together. And part of that, I think, was just because we set our expectations for each other beforehand. Um, so yeah, I feel like we. I feel like we did a pretty good job in difficult circumstances. Uh, Chris, you mentioned that you did lots of video anal- uh, analysis. One of the things about video analysis, uh, identifying patterns from the other teams. What were the things that you watched that you could see that you had to prepare the team for? Um, now you're challenging me, Andre. <laughs> um, Look, we're looking looking for set plays. Obviously, set plays is is a huge, huge thing in international football. So, looking at consistent corner and uh, free kick and side kick set plays, particularly from Thailand and Indonesia um, initially, and then obviously we had footage of the other teams after day one. So, um, looking for those things in terms of <clears throat> in terms of um, Stuff that we noticed, we when we looked at Indonesia, we noticed that they got two-two in possession quite a bit. So we saw that as maybe an opportunity to isolate some of their weaker, weaker players on the ball and apply some pressure. Um, yeah, so things like that. We're looking for, like I said, those patterns of play and what areas of the game that we could try and exploit. Noting that a lot of our players hadn't played at that level, so we're looking mm-hmm. for really simple, simple movement patterns that could beat the first line of defense and give us a bit more space and time to think about what we're trying to do. And those two training sessions, George, what were the main things you guys worked on in those two? Um, the first two sessions, we mainly worked group defense. Um, Christian ran a few things tra- transitional as well, um, but, but it was mostly group defense and then making sure that all the girls understood the individual defensive concepts as well that would help the rest of the team around them. Um, we found that as the most most important going into the games. It, offensively, we we found that we could speak to them throughout the game. All, all the players took information really well, so that made it a lot easier. But just to mitigate initially, um, our, sec- our second day we played against Thailand, so we were very aware of that. Um, and yeah, we, our, our main focus was defense. Understandable. Uh, everything was new for them on the court, but also off of the court. Um, Rob, what was it like for the girls being part of such a professional environment, uh, a futsal mm-hmm. tournament like that? Yeah, so obviously I, I spoke about challenges before, but I don't think uh, from home you guys can realize the challenges we had to go through. Uh, and the first one is COVID. So we're in a bubble. So obviously being transported from the airport in buses, PCR test, quarantine hotel. We had to stay in the hotel for 10 days. 
also so it's definitely not a not a holidays not a holiday hole and i don't think i don't think the people might think that this is a two hour trip because <laughs> that's I, I saw the word tour many times mentioned and this wasn't a tour at all the girls were under extreme pressure from myself from the coaches from everyone at home they had to wake up like our schedule like they had a calendar and our schedule was very tight breakfast 7 30 um team meeting uh you have another 45 minutes to, to, to you know to get ready training and back and lunch a specific time because the game is you know 2 p.m and stuff so three hours before um get to the you know um get to the court uh to the stadium two hours before the game starts we had a very tight timeline there like it's not a you know you can only go and warm up on the court 50 minutes before you have to give the team list earlier the, the official will come um you know we are also at a um, team managers meeting before the tournament started um I, I think it was an incredible experience for me as managing managing the whole the whole, the whole team but for the girls they need to understand what professionalism is and and it's a job i, th- I think we can all agree it was a job for them and and some of them was were very tired by the end of the day i think you know, we had to move yeah. some team meetings. We had to move them or skip them because, uh, you know, because you have to do the recovery and then ice baths and stuff. Um, I think the, the biggest challenge for us was probably the team bonding together. Um, and I think the girls nailed it. Um, they really bonded. Yeah. Um, um, Mariana as a captain did, did a great job, in my opinion. Um, we did not have any issues. Uh, the girls were an awesome group. Uh, we also had fun, uh, you know, um, within the tournament. Uh, a lot of laughs and a lot of memories to share with everyone, uh, especially when they got with the other girls from Thailand and Indonesia and, and they exchanged the, you know, um, Instagram uh, names and stuff, exchanged shirts. It was great, but it was a, it was like a, a job. <laughs> it was not a holiday at all. It was a very, very it's stressful a professional job. job. Yeah. I, I think I probably the most amount of sleep I had was five to six hours a night a day and um and these two as well um you know you have to we, we meet at you know 11 30 at night and then we have to wake up at 6 30 uh and then you had you know obviously the things that you can also forecast um people getting sick or you know uh ice baths and by the house and and find uh you know uh, medicines and stuff or Girls coming with the with with us requests, you know. I need uh, this. I need that. Um, what type I mean, of requests? I, I I need peanut butter. Now, you can find <laughs> peanut butter everywhere, but not only in a bubble in Thailand. I, I so, you had, yeah, so you had players that could only have peanut butter for breakfast. No, like, it's a bit, you need to make them happy. They're there to play. Uh-huh. So for me, tell me, George. Tell me, raising your hand there. No, hold on, Rob. <laughs> Well, with about four days to go, I fell sick. So all I was eating was bread and bread, wow. so about it, and just rice. But the, the whole point that I want to make is, we were there to make sure the girls had everything to play their best. Hmm. No roadblocks, nothing. They could ask me anything, I will find it. Actually, the the the, the football talent gave us a person. The name was Ink, which uh, was our. Um, or support person for the old tournament. So I could ask her at 2am to bring me, I don't know, a McDonald's, for <laughs> example, which she didn't. She, she would get it done. Yeah, it was great. Um, but yeah, many challenges, you know. Um, and But the girls were very professional. I think, I, think, I think they are ready to stay at that level. 
Uh, further to what they said about the game, I think uh, I just want to make a, I like something. Um, I think technically the girls were there, and this is why the focus was more tactical for them. But I think there's no technical gap. Or probably were even better technically mm -hmm. than, than the teams. Obviously, national teams are very prepared compared to to what a club can do in such short notice. But I think we are there. Like Australia is there, and we'll we get need... we'll get to that point shortly. Let's just uh, let's just focus yeah. on the first game first, guys. Uh, first game reverse against Thailand, always ties. Uh, zero three lost. First match, everyone was nervous. Chris, how was that first game? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with with the nerves there. I think that the feeling amongst us as coaches and amongst the group as players is that if we had a warm-up game or two before we played the, the all-star team is that the result might have been different. Um, yeah, we sort of... The first 10 minutes, if you watch the, the game footage, the first 10 minutes, we were very um, disjointed. Players were missing passes uncharacteristically. Um, decisions were a bit off, those kinds of things. But I think that the as we, as we got into the game, and the players realized that actually physically we're superior technically we're on par in in some cases as rob pointed out better i think that they just settled into the game and were able to um i mean certainly i felt in the second half we um we certainly had the better of the chances in that game um it was a shame that we copped two in the first 10. <laughs> um yeah george yeah, it was um, nerves. Nerves played a big part in the game. We caught two goals in the first half, um, quite soft as well. And then we had, our, we had our moments in the game, definitely. And then after, after the game, we ever, ever, the whole playing group felt like we, we could have achieved more. And that just comes to the preparation. You know, it was our second, game, our second day in Thailand. The, some of the girls had just met. We had some girls approaching Chris and I, asking for play, like names of players. It was... Um, a very unusual start to a tournament and especially yeah, for the majority of the girls have never played at this level before so mm. so you have to continue with that as well in a coach coaching point of view how do you manage to uh, make the the combinations of players to play the game chris uh so that was look, my, all of those decisions with, with joint decisions between george and i look, we communicated a lot around what was working obviously i've only got one set of eyes so he you know, having both of us there observing and um, was was really good and we're able to he was able to see things that I couldn't and vice versa. So I mean honestly it was just trial and error. <laughs> um, we like I said four of the girls turned up that the previous evening but were only allowed out of isolation that morning. So we had a training session scheduled that got cancelled because Indonesia needed to train and they hadn't trained yet. So our opportunity to get the group together as a whole didn't come. And so it was, I guess, observing during the warm-up and then falling on the group that was there initially um, that we had time with to kind of find a balance with them and then slowly integrate the players that had turned up that morning as we went through the game and sort of adjust. It was more lots of adjustment on the fly, really. We just, like, mm -hmm. trial and error, some things worked, some things didn't. What what did you guys learn from that first game and even from the video analysis of that first game to improve for a big match against Thailand the second match? Um, 
well, I think the biggest thing was confidence that we can compete at that level. So we treated the Thai All-Stars like they were the Thailand national team. We prepared like they were the Thai national team. And so, um, yeah, the, conf- I, the confidence was high. Like George said, we felt like after the game that, you know, if we played another 20 minutes that we would definitely would have got something out of that that period of time and you know the confidence was high going into the next day that we could that we could compete and that we could you know hopefully pull off an upset was the was the goal obviously um so yeah so match two against Tali guys lost zero four uh i'll watch that game fully the first game i watched maybe half of the game uh you guys set more on the half court thailand have the famous Thai style from the Spanish coach of playing 4-0, and they did that with the women's team as well. And that half-court defense worked so well until one long ball over the top that they, they scored an amazing goal. Um, the strategy for that game, is that right when I say sitting more half-court and embedding on the counterattacks? Yeah, so George and I had a look at Thailand, and they looked most dangerous in transition. Um, so against Myanmar, Myanmar kind of pressed and pressed, I guess, in a way that was sort of not methodical and not organised. And so Thailand were easily able to pick them off. So we figured we're going to minimise the space in behind um, that they had to play into, play nice and compact. And we we looked at the attacking options that we had and we figured that we could pinch one or two on the counter if we um, if we were good enough. And so... The aim of the game was to try and shut them out. And we were only 1-0 down at half time. Like you said, it was a it was a pretty spectacular uh, assist and a pretty uh, pretty pretty spectacular finish. Um, so I mean who knows? We also had that chance right at the end of the first half yes. to make it one one. We go into the we go into the dressing room one one, who knows what happens in the second half. And the second half, we're, we're down 2-0 and we go 1-1 one one with the goalkeeper. They come back the other way and make it 3-0. I mean, that's the kind of efficiency that you're playing against at this level, right? Our our inability to finalise results in a in a two-goal swing back the other way. So, yeah, yeah look. You guys had lots of chances. Uh, we just saw the other day, uh, a couple of days ago, Sporting playing against Barcelona. The game was 2-0 for Sporting. Okay. Barcelona misses a chance. To make it 2-1 on the counter-attack, Sporting comes and makes it 3-0. So that, that was a similar game to you guys. Um, yeah. You guys had the chances. We say that players talk a lot in the change rooms and only people that are in the change rooms can hear what they're saying. Uh, George and Rob, what were the words after that game in the change room? Rob, do you want to go first? Oh, <laughs> okay, I go first. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, Thailand, we all knew that the, the level of those girls. And and George and, and Christian, but if you watch the game, you can see when they wanted to change the pace of the game, that could change it at any time. And also remember, they have 14 players all the same level. So whenever they sub, it's fresh. And sub are done minute. The girls stay 30 seconds a minute and they keep subbing. So always, always fresh. So obviously there was a, it was a gap. The girls were upset. Um, but I think they were upset because they didn't score a goal. That was the biggest upset. Like, we were creating chances in both games, and we didn't score the goals. And and the goal that the Italian score came from our mistakes, which obviously um, the girls were upset because they got punished straight away. So, you know, four mistakes in the game, four goals. That's that's pretty much it. And 
without taking anything from Thailand because Thailand wasn't ready. So the girls obviously were upset, but uh, because of their chance they created and, and you know, we lost for Neil to the third national team in Asia at the moment. Uh, um, the, you know, I think created confidence for them to play the, the game after, which was Indonesia. I think that there was there were a lot of positives. Uh, I, I wouldn't look at the score of the game as 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 as, 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 as it's, it's harsh, of course, but I think the girls were much much positive, much better. They were more confident. That's that's what I felt. There was um there was a definite shift in mentality after the Thailand game specifically, because we came into the sheds at halftime, and looking around at the players, there was hope. Uh, yeah. Coming into the tournament, they weren't sure of the level, and they'd seen these these players and these and these girls because we were all in the accommodation. And when they come in, you know, everyone's looking at each other and scoping out, sort of trying to see who they're playing against. And then, you know, there's concern going into a game like that against a team which is very well organized, very structured. And then we come in half time, and it's and it's and it's only one nil, and we just had an opportunity just before the break, and so. We, we tried some things towards the end of the game just to get back and they punished us for our mistakes. And so heading into Indonesia and Myanmar, we knew that Thailand were probably the strongest team there. So there was there was a lot of hope going into the last two games and, and the girls knew that we could get a result in, in one, one or both of the games. Mm -hmm. I think this question will be good for the next game. I'll save it. So if you ask it again after Indonesia again, there will be interesting stuff. So no I don't want to say anything. <laughs> but just before that, at the end of that game against Thailand, your goalkeeper, Noi Pukayu, who is also from Thailand, she's Thai. Uh, she gave a very emotional interview, but obviously was in Thai. I couldn't understand what she's saying. Uh, so Rob, what, what was she talking in that interview? So I know, obviously, she's Thailandish. She moved to Australia when she was four, I think, or something like that, uh, with a family. Um, so you can imagine for someone that is Thailandese um, going back home and play against your national team. You know, it's it's an honor. You know, um, and the interview. I think Noi was very nervous because obviously it's a big thing for her. The whole family in Thailand was watching her and stuff. And obviously, for her to play the game, being captain. Um, um, there were a lot of nerves and, and she explained how um, she was talking about Australian stuff and how she was able to come to Thailand for the last three years because of the pandemic. So I think she burst into tears, but there was a lot. Um, there was a lot going on in there, but mainly she talked about futsal in Australia, what South is for her and uh, what the game meant for her. And, you know, um, I think, Andreas, like you, if you play against Brazil, probably, you know, it, it would be an emotional game for you because, uh, you know, it's, it's your home country. So... Obviously, there was there was a lot there, and um, and yeah, so they had to stop the interview, <laughs> let her like put her tears out, and came back, and then I was still emotional, and it, it, it was a lot. As I said, as I said before, it's not a two-hour all day. There's a lot of pressure on the players to, you know, and that builds up, builds up, and I think, but I think after that, Noi just get everything out, and she was she 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 was another person. She like, um, but she, she was outstanding the whole tournament. Correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Game three, a narrow two-four loss against Indonesia, uh, and also your first two goals scored in the, in the tournament. What did you guys manage to work on from the previous games to improve for this one? Yeah, look. Uh, so looking at the footage, like I said earlier, we noticed that they <clears throat> we were looking for we wanted we're looking for cues to apply pressure and win the ball higher up the pitch, force the issue a little bit more against Indonesia. So. Um, 
look, for us, we, we found some things that we thought we could exploit, some ball carriers that maybe weren't as confident as others. Um, and then recognising that they like to press high up the pitch, working on specific specific movements and groups that we could utilise to beat beat their press and, and give ourselves space and time to um, to pick the next pass. So I think we had... We had, a, we had a training session the morning of the Indonesian game where we were able to casually walk through some of the things that we wanted to do. Um, obviously, the morning, that morning we looked at some video of Indonesia as well with those specific points, um, those specific points picked out. And look, I mean, I certainly had a feeling, and George, George and Rob as well, that we were we were confident we could we could get the better of, of Indonesia that day. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was a tough one because we were there, like we we were so close. Um, it was certainly tough. And look, I feel like the girls executed most of what most of what we um, we tried to do pretty well. Um, yeah, the team definitely improved over the first three games, and we started to see some players stand out. Who were some of the players that were starting to uh, get their confidence through the tournament, George? Um, oh, we had many players, I think, that, that stood out in, in particular, I think especially over there, um, Zoe. Um, she scored in the last two games against both Indonesia, and then she scored two against Myanmar. Um, mm-hmm. But out, out, outside of the court, she, she was getting so much attention from the Thai people. They were following her, requesting photos, always requesting really? an interview with her. Um, just outside yeah futsal thailand even made a post on her her as well comparing her to victoria beckham and people were just going crazy about her so um but it's, a, it's very interesting what, what, what you're saying we could feel this attention from zoe even uh of zoe even from back home here yeah um so it was really nice to see that for her um we we had a few other players as well as roberto said mariana Tavane was a great captain for us she led the girls really well um, for a group that I'd only just met, um, we, we seemed to bond quite quickly in every session, every game we saw improvements and it was only towards the end of the week. It was so disappointed to see them all leave and it, and everyone was upset because finally we come together and, you know, we sort of made it to a point where we were happy. Um, but yeah, the, there was definitely a few players that got attention. And I think that feeling of where Thomas finished... Yeah, and you just get ready. It's, it's, a, it's a hard feeling. Oh, Rob, talk, just uh, talk about Zoe a little bit further. Um, we felt that Zoe became uh, an icon of that team here from back home. We saw a, po- a poster from her. And, and, we, and we feel that if we have a national team, maybe she's one of the players that should be in the national team eventually. What's, how is Zoe like in Perth? So, so just so you know, Zoe uh, is one of the three players that South Perth has contracted. So he's under contract with South Perth. Um, uh, I know it's an early stage for women, but until we start, we never got to that point. So what, do you mean contra- what, what do you mean contract? What do you mean contract? So there's 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 a money component to play, and, and some other KPIs we give to players. And Tiana, Noya, and Zoya are the players that South Perth will have this. Uh, mm-hmm. um, we, we invest a lot in women football, and, and if if you're not South Perth won a lot in the last two or three years, and and it's it's a long term project with us. Uh, I think I think. Uh, Everyone discovers Zoe now, but Zoe has been there in the last two years, has been outstanding. So obviously, it's an international stage, and that's why 
whatever she did on international stage legit now you know what i mean she got attention from italy and from from asia from from other countries but um and she's 19. so she's always been a, a very talented player um hopefully hopefully uh, my my aim for her is for her to play futsal, professional futsal i hope in australia one day um but anywhere overseas um but i i like to mention what george says but as well about mariana mariana taban is not just a player that up out of nowhere mariana is one of the tick top top 100 players in, in the w league in the last decade uh she won Same. golden boot in the w league. yeah uh she played with mk she played the yamatildes uh she played for melbourne city she has uh, accolades just she was not a captain for a club because of a coincidence you know um we have players that have that you need a players that have that experience at high level um indonesia have many players that are football players and for the national team uh like uh i mean the goalkeeper of indonesia is the celebrity there and stuff so i think yeah i think zoe becoming a celebrity is is is, is a great thing uh but obviously even the other girls like you don't see that because zoe got so much exposure but even the other girls were you know michaela got stopped in the middle of the road in pattaya take a photo with, with people you know all the girls were celebrity mm -hmm. But obviously Zoya got that the spotlight, but um, I think most of the girls like Michaela, Mariana, Zoe, uh, Noi, they they got you know um, become celebrity in there. So it was into it was interesting. Zoe is only nineteen. She's very far from reaching her peak at futsal, so she's oh, still she's still, she still got she's still got a lot to improve. I, mean, uh, I, I watched her for two years. I, I saw things that are, that are uncoachable that she does. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, yeah, we we'll move forward with that. Game four, you guys got your much-anticipated win, 3-2 um, over the national team of Myanmar. Uh, an amazing match to watch, a very open match, lots of chance for both teams as well. Uh, Chris, how was uh, getting a win in that last game? Yeah, it's not very often you get to coach against, particularly here in Australia, coach against national teams. So to be able to say that that I was part of a group that was able to, to win is it's a pretty special pretty special thing um and look we all knew we we all knew we had it we, we had the, the ability to do it and it was just a matter of executing the game plan and um yeah i mean you saw the relief on the players faces when the finals went and yeah it was pretty exciting it was pretty exciting what did that we mean for the girls oh yeah <laughs> george massive Massive. I just touch quickly um, how proud we were as a as the officials of the girls, because you mentioned at the start of the podcast about the Futsuru's preparation and how it was similar. We 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 met in the lobby in in Thailand. We had players who had never been at this level before. They've never experienced a professional environment. We were doing twelve hour days with some of the girls, and you could see after day two, three, these girls were knackered because they've never seen something like this before. And for them to come out at the end of the tournament and you see them grow together and then they beat a national side as a club team that was thrown together a week before, it was an incredible experience, not just for the playing group, but for us as well. Um, we we all grew together and it was phenomenal. There was a key moment, I think, um, and it was the loss to Indonesia. That was the key moment. And you, sh I knew for a fact they would have won their next game. When they scored the first goal, I think that was the key. Like scoring the first goal and then Mickey scoring their goal. 
And when they lost to Indonesia, some of the girls were about to cry. Or they cried because, because of they knew they had it. They knew they were there. They touched it. <laughs> and then losing the game, I think, the day after, play me, no, two days after, play Myanmar, you could see the faces. Like the girls were there to win. There was losing or drawing the game wasn't an option, I think. Like it's, was it was, they were. There was certainly a different feeling amongst the group on the day that we played Myanmar, you could see there was a, like a, a steely faced resolve and they were pretty determined to get the job done. So yeah, there was a, there was a feeling from this, from the moment we went down to breakfast that morning, that, um, that it was, no way there was no way they were going to, going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you got that first win, the last game, three, two, uh, Thailand ended up winning the tournament. Thailand finished on the same number of points as Indonesia, both on 10 points, but Thailand on better goals difference. Uh, mm -hmm. Just looking at Thailand, uh, and if you could play against them again, how do, how do you think you would go against them again? Chris, do you want to answer or me? You can go. You can go. Um, honestly, I thought Thailand gave us a lot of respect in the game. I'm not sure if they were preparing for something, but they were sitting half court and they were sort of waiting on our mistakes. Um, I think every game with, with them could be completely different, especially, and, and it could be for us as well, just, just the way we go into the game and how, how aggressive we are. Um, I think we conceded a lot of soft goals throughout the tournament. So I think the more time we work with these girls, I think the better the result we'll keep getting. Because one thing I must say about Australian women's players is they adapt very well you can give them information and we were all very impressed throughout the tournament how quickly they adapted to situations their game sense is quite good so if you can add that bit of tactical and technical knowledge they apply it really well so i think if, if we play them again i think the result would just get better and better for us i think what i what i talking to them and, and the, the, you know the, the, the stuff in the when we play Thailand and Indonesia particularly, every player knew about our players. So I think there's not a matter of respect for us, for them to don't press us. They saw Michaela and Zoe counter-attacking. <laughs> they saw Mariana under pressure. They don't come under pressure. So I think their game plan was based on our players. I think that's... And Thailand had a different game plan for each game they play. It was amazing to see how they... And when we made subs, you guys remember, they were subbing straight away. So they had team prepared to play against specific players. So um, that's the level. They exploit every every little mistake or thing. But when you have 14 officials on the bench, um, you, you can prepare games very well, I think. So, you know, that's the point. That's the main difference. I think. Mm -hmm. Chris, uh, we're, getting, we're getting to the end of the podcast. Looking back at the tournament, what did you guys learn from, from this great experience? Um, that we need more than two training sessions preparation. <laughs> no, that's obvious. Look, I think the biggest the biggest thing that we learned is that um, despite the inaction in Australia to grow and develop elite women's futsal, that we haven't yet been left for dead by the by the Asian countries. We can still compete um, well, and I'm confident that we, if we pick the best 14 players in Australia and had adequate preparation time that we could easily be competing with Japan Absolutely. and Thailand um, in the Asian region. Um, I think that our players are there. 
So I think I think that's the biggest thing that we learned is that we're, we're not as far behind as I thought we'd be, um, which is a testament to to George, to Rob, to every other every other coach in Australia that's you know, busting their ass week in and week out to give the players the opportunity to learn and grow and develop. So I think it's huge. Um, obviously, you guys were a club, the other teams were national teams. Uh, you mentioned that if you could pick the best 14 players, and there is an opportunity for that. We have the AFC, the women's AFC tournament in September coming up this year. Uh, fingers crossed, we could have a women's national team represent uh, play, uh, uh, the a women's futsal rules, whatever they're going to be called. We don't have a name for them yet. Futsal Matildas, I don't know, they can put any name, but <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, how do you think the top 14 would go against these teams? Um, Can we get excited about it? I don't, I, don't think, I don't think this should be confused at all. We have, Australia has some of the best sporting talent in the world, full stop. And we, 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 we took a team on no preparation and we were by no means out of any game there. If you can put them together in a camp, put 30 players together and pick the best 14 and take them overseas... We, we, we can definitely compete in Asia. There's, there's no question about that. Not just compete, we can back. do well. Yeah. I, I think the step back is the clubs like us and Boomerangs are called. We all need to do better. You can't, you can't have, the girls can't learn futsal in a camp. It's on us to do better as clubs and have strong state leagues. Even before talking about national leagues, we need to have strong state leagues where the girls develop. We need to have junior girls, and then when they go to the to, to the camps, they know what to do, and they just you know prepare well. And I think that's that's the key. The clubs are the key. For the stronger the clubs, the better the leagues, the better the national team will be. It can't be only on on football, on football Australia. Uh, it can't be on the federation. It's on the clubs first, and the federation needs this to provide us with the for a lot of these girls the incentive to play futsal hasn't been there because they've been capped at their state leagues. So I've been, I was coaching Gold Coast Force women for a number of years and I, I, I kept a lot of them because they were all there together and they understood the process. But but you lose some to football because the incentive, the, the next step isn't there. And that's what was so great. I'm sure Roberto's girls, I'm sure Chris's girls have now gone back home and they've seen them and they've seen the hype and they want to get back to that level. So if we can have more of that for the women, you're going to see these girls come into the state leagues, to their clubs, and they're going to be more passionate about it. Of course they are. I think yeah, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of talk about equality. I don't know if you guys saw it, but the football Australia is talking about equality. And equality is anyone who wants to play at sport needs to deserve that opportunity. So if a girl decides to play football, needs to be able to have the same opportunity as a football player or beach soccer or or tennis or whatever. That's the equality. That's that's what it means. Not um, just in terms of pay and 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 generalism. It's about having the chance to play the sport you like and love. Because I guarantee most of these girls will play futsal as in their life. So yeah, these pathways are so important to get the girls committed to foot, keep them committed to futsal. Chris, you've been quiet since we start talking about this equality and all these things. Um, <laughs> of course, we're missing uh, there's two other countries in Asia, like Iran, Japan, that they are super. They have super teams, probably even better than Thailand, Indonesia. But um, what's your view on these women's national team if we ended up having September? Similar, similar to the other guys, I think that if if we could get a group 
right now, if we could get a group, have adequate preparation time, have this, you know, have good resourcing, then there's no reason why. I mean, Japan beat Thailand 2-1 in the semi-final of the last AFC Championships. I think, I think with our best 14, we could beat Thailand. So, you know, okay. do the maths. We're competing with Japan if we're doing that, and Japan, I think it was four-one in the final against against Iran. I mean, Iran are another level, but you know, our best fourteen. Who knows what we can achieve? We've got good coaches, although not many of them, but we do have some. We have some fantastic coaches in Australia, and um, yeah, if we were given the if we were given the opportunity, I think that the girls and the coaching staff, whoever they might be, would, would grab it with both hands and would would. Um, would be right up there competing with Japan, Iran, and Thailand for the honors. I have a feeling that the women's futsal national team could become what the Matildas are for the soccer rules. So the, the women's futsal national team could become a team that performs so well, gets amazing results in Asia, in World Cups, and it could be a new favorite for the futsal community. Absolutely. Uh, guys, uh, you also mentioned a few things that it could be that we get a short notice for the women's national team. So we're going to have to prepare ourselves for this potential national team. But what other things can we do to improve women's foods in Australia without relying on the federation? Uh, we need their help though, as a platform. Like we need that platform for, to play for them. But I think, I think um, um, well, tournaments, first of all, and events, all the state league. I think the AFCC women we did in January 2020. I'm not wrong. Uh, Boomerangs played there. Gold Coast played there. South Perth played there. Do we have a set date for 2022 yet? Uh, I, I'm not too sure, but I think uh, probably will be announced soon. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it will be this year, not next year. So uh, it was meant to be in February, but obviously because COVID and other borders and all things, challenges were high. But I think that a national event was very successful and that will push the girls as well. Uh, that, that has to be more promotion. As, as I said, the club needs to do more um, to recruit young girls and, 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 and organize, you know, um, make the state league better. You know what I mean? Like, we are lucky enough in Perth, we play probably nine months of the year. Um, in, in New South Wales, I think you guys didn't have a league for two years pretty much because of COVID and stuff. So, obviously, we need to try to get back these girls into the game and make sure they they perform and but coaching i just just want to like something christian was that coach he's a fc level two coach the only 16 of you correct christian if i'm not wrong in australia and okay. about that so education is very important you just can't put the dad coaching there because coaches and it's very important that we 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 look out we need education we need more coaches uh to, you know to, to teach the game better and and definitely, you know, but the girls can enjoy it a bit more. So I don't know if you guys have any ideas, but I think it's that's what it is. <laughs> AFC Pretty level much. two, uh, I think there is not even ten in Australia. So you were one of them, Chris. There was no. There's more than that. We've got three level threes, and then I think there was thirteen on my. I think there's fifteen AFC level two and three coaches in Australia. So I think there's yeah, I think there's twelve level twos and three level threes. I think. It's not oh, cheap. Okay. It's not cheap. Nah. That's what I mean. it, Christian That's paid with no money. Like it, it didn't get. It wasn't a gift from anyone, and it's 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 an investment, you know. So obviously, it's an investment for the passion. Yeah, it wasn't seeking money out of it. But I think, um, you know, 
when when these things happen, that's when it's worth doing these courses, you know, these tournaments and events and pathways. But we'll get there. It's a, it, it is a good momentum for Futsal in Australia. Uh, things are happening. And if we get a list of people that want to do the course, I'm sure they, they will put a, they'll put ahead for, for us. Uh, Rob, just to finish it off the, the podcast, I'd like you to mention all the players' names, if you have the list of the players there. I remember if them. Could... Rod and yeah, go ahead. So obviously we got um, Noi Pukau and Jessica Giovinazzo, which are the goalkeepers. Uh, WA contingent, we had Marata Baines, Los Padano, Tiana Botha. Um, then we had um, uh, Michaela Thornton, uh, Natalie DeMarco, Stella DeMarco. Okay. And then we had uh, Tony Sharp, Gisela Pipino, Aurelia Collins. And we had uh, Clarissa Allerton and Annika Paulson from Victoria and Queensland. Well, we had every state. <laughs> so it was pretty good. I think we only missed South Australia and uh, NT and Tasmania. But. Um, it was good. So good to see these girls, you know, play for the club and yeah. Amazing very young, to see. Very young team. That's that should be highlighted. Like our team was very young. We're many 18 years old. Annika was 17, Zoe 19. Uh so that's that's something that needs to be highlighted. There's a lot of there's a new generation coming that is very strong. So we wanna take the best out of it. That's very young for Futsu. Futsu, you can become a good player in your 30s, so they've got plenty of time. Uh, guys, uh, I want to thank you all three on coming and take your time to come to the podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you three. Thanks, Thanks Andrea. Keep pushing uh, it, please. Australia needs more people like you guys that are passionate about women's Futsu. I look forward to catching up with you guys soon. Best of luck for the future. Uh, I want to congratulate you three, you all you three guys, the sponsors and everyone involved in making this a reality. But lastly, all the girls mentioned by Rob just before. So you girls were the most important thing. As much as these guys work, the girls are the ones that deserve all the rewarding. Yeah, they were they were the real winners and champions um, of this tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the podcast and look forward to seeing you guys soon.